good news. He wants to be close to us too. <laughs> he wants to be close. Come on, just sing that as a testimony. I make a statement this morning. He wants to be close to me. Nobody else may want to be around me, but he wants to be close to me. He wants to be somebody in the room this morning that you think you've gone too far. You think, you, you think you're so far from where you used to be that you can't ever get back. You, you've gone so far away from God. You've done so many things wrong and you just, your life has been so devastated that you, you may have even turned your back on God and, you're, and now when somebody stands up and says he wants to be close to you, you can't even hardly believe it. Listen, let him minister to you this morning. Come on, let him speak it deep in He's stirring over in your spirit right now saying, come on, baby. Come on, honey. Come on, brother. I I'm looking for you. I'm calling you right now. I'm, I'm pulling you in. I need you. He needs us. He wants us. He longs for us. So, Father, in return, we long for you. Restore everything that the enemy has stolen from us. God, we pray that you'd restore everything right now, relationship that we had with you that's been broken, that has been cut off. Father, we pray right now that you would restore us right now by the power of your spirit and your might. Broken dreams, both broken goals and broken purpose. God, forfeited destiny. Father, we call it back right now. You said you would restore us right in the midst of our years. Father, we set our eyes on you. Set our eyes on you. We long for you this morning. We worship you. We worship you. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Come on, just for just a couple more seconds. Come on, just begin to worship him. We're getting ready to move into something else, but I want you just to worship him. Come on, worship him.
know there are times we need God. We need God. But how many of you know there are times we need somebody with skin on too, right? We need somebody to come alongside of us and, and, and tell us they love us and that they appreciate us. See, God wants to be our friend, but the great thing about his kingdom is not only do we get to be friends with God, we get to be friends with one another. There are some folks standing in the room that need somebody to come alongside them this morning and hug them and say, you know what? Not only does God want to be close to you, I want to be close to you. I want to be that shoulder you can cry on. I, I want to be that friend that will talk to you when nobody else understands. I'll be that person. There's somebody in the room that needs to hear that, that this morning. I want you to take just a few minutes. I want you to get out of where you're sitting, and I want you to go find somebody. Let the Holy Spirit lead you, and I want you to put your arms around him, and I want you to tell him, you know what? I want to be close to you. Come on, minister to somebody. Even if you don't know anybody in the room, step out by faith. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct your footsteps and tell them, I love you. I need you in my life. I want you in my life. I love you. Yes, come on. This morning, and let me just start with a little bit of review. Uh, for those of you that weren't here last week, I need to kind of catch you up. I don't want you to, to drag behind, so, so I want you to stay up with me here. We started talking last week that, that basically uh, we started a series called Close Encounters because that is our desire. And we told you that in a nutshell... Uh, there are basically three areas that Passion Church will focus on. We are going to encounter God, we're going to equip you, and we're going to engage our culture. We will not do anything but those three things. Nothing more, nothing less. If it doesn't fit into one of those three categories, we're not going to do it. This is what we're about. We talked about the fact that we need not just an encounter, but a close encounter with God. How many of you know there is a huge difference between an encounter and a close encounter? Man, I use the example of the police officer that rides by you and just flips his lights at you to get you to slow down. That's an encounter. When he flips his car around and starts chasing you, that's a close encounter, right? There's a huge difference. And I, and I talked to you about the fact that we've got to push it forward into a close encounter. We are going to hold on for that close encounter with God. We were in the newspaper this week. How many of you saw the newspaper? A couple of you, a few of you, we were in the religious section talking about a church, and they tried to quote me. They didn't get it quite right. It didn't make any sense. But the statement I made to the lady that was doing the interview is true. Hear me this morning. When you leave this place, we do not want you to feel like that you just attended a business seminar. We don't want you to necessarily feel like you just came to a self-help session. We want you to come face-to-face -face with the creator of the universe, God. And his son Jesus, that is our desire. So I told you last week that we had a decision, a choice to make. We could become an Ezekiel 44 church, which I won't take time to read it to you. But Ezekiel 44 says that basically that God stepped in and he said the priest could have charge of the house. They could do songs. They could have sacrifices. And the message Bible says they could sweep up and run errands. But they could never get close to God. He says in his word, they, cannot, they can no longer come near to me. And I want to tell you what, I am not interested in having a church like that. I am not interested in coming in here and going through some motions and not encountering God personally, relationally on an ongoing basis. So I said, that's our decision. We can be an Ezekiel 44 church or we can be a Second Chronicles chapter 5 church. You remember what it says? Let me read it for you. It's going to be on the screen. It says, the priest then left the holy place. 
All the priests there were consecrated regardless of rank or assignment. And all the Levites who were musicians were there, dressed in their worship robes. The choir and the orchestra assembled on the east side of the altar, and they were joined by 120 priests blowing trumpets. The choir and the trumpets made one voice of praise and thanks to God, orchestra and choir in perfect harmony, singing and playing praise to God. Yes, God is good. His His loyal love goes on forever. Then a billowing cloud filled the temple of God. The priests couldn't even carry out their duties because of the cloud, the glory of God that filled the temple of God. That is the kind of church we want. I want a kind of church when you pull up in the parking lot, you can't hardly stand to get out and walk in, not because you're not because you're dreading it, but because the power of God has invaded your car from the moment you pulled in the driveway that you already experience him. You're not waiting on a song. You're not waiting on a sermon. You experience his presence in the house, and, it, and, and as soon as you pull up, it ministers to you. I want our nursery workers to be ministering with excellence to the children, but while they're there, I want them to feel and sense and experience the presence of God, and God invade that room. I want God to invade this house. That's my desire. And I know that's your desire. You wouldn't be here. So that brings us to this part. The part that we're going to deal with this morning is this. There are terms. There are stipulations. There are regulations on how or what causes us, ingredients that enable us, that have to be in place, that enable us to be able to encounter God. How do we get close to God? How do we draw close to Him? What has to be in place in order for us to touch God? And that's what we're going to deal with this morning. So I want to start this morning and I want to talk to you about the terms. How many of you have ever used this phrase, we came to terms? It's one of those uh, business, I guess, uh, phrases that we use and what it basically denotes is that we went into some negotiation session and we sat down and, and we made this proposal and this person made that proposal and and we begin to come to terms and we negotiate it out right it means he been a little she been a little i gave a little he gave a little we negotiated there's only one problem god doesn't negotiate god doesn't won't he won't bend and say you know what i'll let you come into my into my presence even though you haven't done what i said to do and even though you haven't met the agreements and the guidelines and the stipulations I, I, i'll let you slide that never happens God is, in fact, rigid about the guidelines and the stipulations that must be in place in our life in order for us to get close to Him. We have to line up with the guidelines that He sets forth in His Word. We can't get close to Him otherwise. He won't back down. He won't negotiate. Now, here is the dilemma that we we find ourselves in. Most of us have grown up in a Burger King society. So we think that we get to have it our way. Right? So what we do is we carry our fast food experience into our church and Christianity experience, our relationship, and we begin to put demands on God and say, God, I want this my way, and I'm not going to line up with your word. You've got to line up to me. In fact, what we try to do is we try to add Jesus to our lifestyle and do it our way and get it our style, and then God bless me once. Listen, he won't do that. God doesn't operate that way. He will not negotiate with you. He will not be, he is not flexible one bit. He will demand that, that we do what he says to do. So I would submit to you this morning that there are some guidelines that we have to stick to because, um, if we, if, if our heart's desire, and I, and again, I believe it is, I'm not making an assumption here that you don't really want God. I believe you do want God. How many of you want God? Amen. How many want to get as close to him as you possibly can, right? 
right? So that, that, that's the premise I'm operating from. If you want to be close to him, you've got to do what he says to do. And so there are three terms I want to deal with that, that we have to answer, that we have to line up with, and, and here it is. The first term or first condition or first ingredient is this. We must be hungry. God is, God is very clear in his word that if those that are hungry for him will be filled. The Bible says very clearly that if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, he will fill us, right? So the issue is we don't have a God problem. We have an appetite problem. How hungry are you? What are you hungry for? How, how much do you long for God? See, you need to understand something this morning. Our appetite is driven by cravings. We crave a lot of things. We crave fame. We crave, we crave success. We crave Krispy Kreme donuts about 12 o'clock on a Friday night. We, 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 we crave Starbucks coffee at 6 a.m. in the morning when we're trying to get motivated. We crave a lot of things. I was driving through a Starbucks not too long ago. I pulled up to the loudspeaker, rolled my window down, and I made this statement. I said, I need a white chocolate mocha. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, the Holy Spirit grabbed my heart and said, hang on just a second now. Do you really need it or do you want it? And I started laughing. I think the guy thought I was nuts. I started laughing out loud. And I stopped him and I said, uh, he was on the intercom. And he says, is that all I can get for you? And I started laughing. I said, no, hang on just a second. I need to rephrase something. I didn't explain to him why, but I said, I need to change my order. I need to say, I want a, a white chocolate mocha. We, we have an appetite problem because we crave so many different things. Uh, we, we crave all the wrong things. See, my question this morning to you is how many of you crave God? How many of you long so bad for a close encounter with God that out of the very fiber of your being, you long for this dynamic daily interaction with Him? See, cravings will make you do weird things. Let me, let me prove it to you. I know some of the college students aren't going to understand this. Let me break it down. Any man in the, in the room that, whose wife has ever been pregnant understands that cravings will make you do weird things. Like when she rolls you out of bed about 3 a.m. to go to the convenience store to get pickles and peanut butter for a sandwich, how many of you understand that, that cravings will make you do weird things? How about, this is an example, if you would go stand in a line in December in Oklahoma when it's about minus four degrees for four or five hours at Chick-fil-A just so you can get chicken for one year for free, cravings will make you do weird things. How many of you understand if you go camp out at a movie for four days because it's going to be the first time it shows when you could wait just about a month and it'd be out on DVD, cravings will make you do weird things, right? Cravings will cause you to stand in line when nobody else will stand in line. Cravings will make you get out of bed when nobody else will get out of bed. Cravings will make you spend money that nobody else will spend. Cravings will make you expend energy that nobody and effort that nobody else will, will do. It makes you do weird things. So my question to you this morning is how many of you are willing to do weird things for God if that's what he requires? How many of you are willing to get up when everybody else is asleep to get into his presence? How many of you are willing to pursue him when nobody else will pursue him? How many of you are willing to not go to the party when everybody else is going to the party because you understand that if you go to the party, I won't encounter him, I'll encounter them. But I, my craving is after God and I long for him. Where are your cravings? How hungry are you? What is your appetite like? Who, who do you desire? Let me make this statement to you and, and I want you to catch this. You can have as much of God as you want. 
Let that sink in for a second. You can have as much of God as you want. The problem is, is most of us have as much of God as we want. We're satisfied. We have a take it or leave it attitude. I've experienced you once 16 years ago. That's enough for me. Thank you very much. I am calling you to a condition called hunger where you are hungry for him. I'm reminded of Genesis chapter 32. The Bible says that Jacob has an encounter with an angel of the Lord. The whole story is nothing more than an intense encounter of hunger where he is so hungry for a move of God in his life that he begins to wrestle with the angel of the Lord. The Bible says they wrestled all night. Most of us won't pray more than two seconds, but he wrestled all night long. He wouldn't let go. The Bible says that day began to break and the angel of the Lord looked at Jacob and said, you've got to let me go. Day's coming. And he said, I refuse to let go until you bless me. Let me just tell you this morning, most of us give up too quick. I am convinced that most of you sitting in this room are about one minute from a miracle, but you let go at the 59th second. Most of us give up way too fast. We let go way too early. I'm looking for some folks that will hold on when nobody else will hold on. I'm looking for some folks that won't be quiet, that won't be satisfied, that won't be content, that will hold on and say, God, i got to have you if I don't have anything else. If everybody else turns their back on me and nobody wants to go with me, though none go with me still, I will follow. I will pursue your presence until I get it. Mark me if you have to. Laugh at me if you want to. Point fingers and ridicule me if you want to. But I so long for your presence that I am so hungry for your presence, that I am so desperate for your presence that I will go and get it. The proof of desire is pursuit. I I was studying this week and the Holy Spirit brought to mind the story of the woman with the issue of blood. How many of you understand that according to the people around her, she was in the wrong place? You're not supposed to be there. You're not supposed to be on the same side of the road with us because you're unclean. You're not supposed to be anywhere near Jesus because he's holy and you're not holy. You're not supposed to be out here in public. You're supposed to be ashamed. You're supposed to be embarrassed. She was in the wrong place, but she was there at the right time. I came to tell some of you that some folks have looked at you and said, you know what, why are you going to that church? You were already in church. You had a good church. Why are you coming to that church? They think you're in the wrong place. Good news. You're here at the right time. Some, some of you, some of your friends are, are looking at you and going, come on to the club with us. You, 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 you'll probably find you a spouse at the club. You've been looking for that husband. You've been looking for that wife. You've been looking for that boyfriend, that girlfriend. You're looking in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. No, I'm going to keep going to church. No, you're in the wrong place, but you're at the right time. God has you here on purpose. You are not in the wrong place. You're in the right time. And when we come into this place, if we're so hungry, so desperate, that we'll push past everything and everybody and get into his presence, he can invade our space. And he will invade our space. Come on, touch somebody say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Come on, tell somebody. Touch somebody else say, my appetite's changing. My appetite's changing this morning. I'm hungry. I'm hungry this morning. Listen, I've encountered God, but I want more. I've been told by drug addicts that, that once you get a little taste, you've got to keep getting more and more and more. I think God's like that. I want more. I want more. I get withdrawals. Right? How many of you are going through withdrawals right now? Some of you are shaky right now. Listen, some of you are shaky right now because you're going through God withdrawals. You need to get hungry again for Him and pursue His presence. The second term or condition that we have to meet is we have to be honest. See, God never allows us to deal in fantasy or fallacy. He requires us to be honest about who we are, who we're not, what we have, and what we don't have. 
God will not deal with us in some facade that we built up. And so, again, I refer you back to Genesis chapter 32 because the Bible says, look, Jacob was wanting a close encounter with God. He was hungry. But you've got to have the terms in place. You've got to meet the conditions. So the angel of the Lord says, let me go. Jacob says, absolutely not. I want a close encounter with you. And then he asked him a question. What's your name? And then probably for the first time in his life, Jacob comes clean in one statement. For the first time in his life, he was honest. He's meeting the terms. And he says, I'm Jacob. In essence, he's saying, I'm a trickster. I'm a schemer. I'm a scammer. I'm, a, I'm the cheater. And instantly, close encounter. Changes everything. I was remembering about Isaiah. The Bible says that Isaiah was in the temple and he says he sees the Lord high and lifted up and suddenly it forces honesty upon him and he says, you know what? I'm undone. I'm I'm an unclean man. I I need you to touch me. Woe is me, oh God. You know what he could have said? I think this is what was going through his mind. I got to be honest. See, everybody else thinks I'm a great man of God. Everybody else thinks I'm anointed. Everybody else thinks I glow in the dark because I have so much power in my life from God. I got words for everybody. But when I get into your presence, oh God, and I look up into your face and I desire a close encounter with you, suddenly I've got to say, you know what? I'm not all that. This is who I really am. I'm unclean. I don't meet the bill. I don't meet the promo. I don't make the, the poster that they put up about me. I don't, I don't live up to the paragraph that they wrote about me. The truth is I'm unclean and I need you to invade my life. We've got to be honest. See, see, I long for the day when we can be honest in church again. I think I probably I'll say that one more time. I long for the day when we can be honest again in church. We're not very honest when we come to church. See, because what happens is we come into church and we act like we've got it all together in this house. And then we go home in our house. And we can't keep it together and we wonder why. I am longing for the day again where we can come into the house of God and be honest and transparent and say, you know what, I don't have it all together. I messed up. I've got issues in my life. God, I need you to touch me and, and change me forever. I, I just begin to think about it. Why can a person go into a club or a bar and pull up to the, to the table there and order a drink and sit there and come completely clean to the bar attendant and, and nobody thinks any less of them. They can tell all their dirty laundry. I slept with 422 people. I killed 4,000 dogs. I did whatever I did. We can tell the bartender and they don't think anything less of us, but you can come to church and say, I probably watched something I shouldn't watch this, watch this weekend. It's like the plague. What is up with that? That is messed up. That's jacked up. That is wrong. God wants us to be transparent and honest with one another. We've got to come to the place where we can look at one another and we can admit who we are and who we're not. See, most of us have the game down. Most of us know how to be actors and actresses, and we come and we play the games, and we raise our hands, and we put them down. We fall down, we cry, we go through the motions, and we never encounter God because we're not honest. God wants us to be honest So this is what I'm doing this morning. I'm calling you to honesty. Get the mask off. Quit playing charades with one another. Be honest with one another enough to look at somebody and when they say, how you doing? You go, oh, I'm blessed, brother. I'm doing great. And you know good and well in your car on the way over here, you are freaking out. Look at one another and say, you know what? We're in this together. And, and I'm not everything I th- that you think I am. And I do have issues, and I do have failures, and I mess up every once in a while, and I do stumble every once in a while, but that's okay because you do too. Right? 
That's where we've got to be. We've got to become honest with God and honest with one another. We've got to lay our masks down. See, I would much rather us be honest and open on our own choice than for God to force honesty upon us. I went back and I read about the woman at the well that Jesus went through Samaria to minister to. You remember the story? She comes to the well. Jesus is sitting there. He says, give me a drink. And he begins a dialogue with her. And about halfway through the dialogue, he says to her, go get your husband. Right? And she says, I don't have a husband. And he, he reads her mail. He says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And the one you're sleeping with right now ain't your husband. Right? Can you imagine the embarrassment? I don't want us to be in that situation. I don't want it to be where we have to duck our heads and we turn red in the face and we're embarrassed because somebody found us out. I don't want you to come in here and dance the place crazy and bounce off the walls and swing from the rafters and then us find out that something... Be honest. Be honest. That's where we've got to be. See, the, that story teaches us this. Hear me. I want you to catch this. You don't have to be afraid of words of wisdom, knowledge, prophets, the gifts of the Spirit, if you're honest. See, most of the people that I know that have all said to me, I've had a bunch of people come to me and say, I'm scared of this stuff. They're not scared of the move of the Spirit because they think it's weird. They're they're scared of it because they're afraid that somebody will divulge publicly what they're doing privately. Right? You don't have to be afraid. Listen, if I'm honest and I'm living a transparent life and I'm not trying to hide stuff, if somebody can stand up, they ain't got nothing to read about me. They're not going to read my mail. they got nothing to read. I've already said this is my problem. This is my issue. This is what I struggle with. I've got this problem in my life. When we get to that place, you don't have to be afraid. Let's take the fear out. Let's be honest again, honest with one another and honest with God. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you can be honest with me. Oh, some of you are scared right now. You, I ain't telling them what, uh-uh. Come on now. Come on now, you got to be honest with one another. If we don't, let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what happens. If we're not honest with one another, hear me, we don't line up to the terms. And if we don't meet the terms, we don't get the close encounter. Let that sink in for a second. We've declared since last Sunday, first Sunday, that our goal, our purpose is to have a close encounter with Him. We cannot... God is not obligated to fill this place if we won't be honest with Him and one another. It's important. The third term is this. We must be, oh, you're not going to like this, holy. For us to have a close encounter with God, we must be holy. David challenges us in Psalms chapter 24. He makes this statement. He, he asks this question. He said, who can ascend unto God? In other words, he's saying it like this. Who can get really close to Who can have a close encounter with God? Then he answers his own question. You know what the answer is? Those that have clean hands and a pure heart. Holiness is part of the equation. Let me, let me say it like this. I wrote it down like this. If you want to have a close encounter, holiness is not optional. It's a prerequisite. It is a prerequisite. If you want to have a close encounter with God, you've got to be holy. See, we've taken this idea of working our own salvation out with fear and trembling too far. We've produced in ourselves and in our culture, in our Christian culture, a license to do anything we want to do. Well, I'm just working out my salvation with my own fear and trembling. Don't bother me. Don't tell me I can't do that. We've taken our liberty and we've turned it into license and we've gone way too far. 
There are standards. Hear me. There are black and whites in this gray world. There are absolutes in God's Word that we must line up to in order to approach Him. To get close to God, we've got to be holy. In fact, if you want to go back, you can read in the Old Testament a couple of accounts when the presence of God filled the place. I've already read one of them to you, and I'll come back to that one. But also in Exodus, the Bible talks about in Exodus chapter 30 and verse, or chapter 40 and verses 30 through 33, the Bible says that Moses and Aaron went and washed their hands and feet in the laver signifying that they'd become holy. And the Bible says that after they had done that, they entered the holy place, and when they got there, the cloud the, the cloud covered the tent of meeting. Right? Their holiness produced hovering. And then I read to you out of Second Chronicles chapter 5, where the Bible says that the priests were consecrated. And when they, be, they came into this holy condition, they were consecrated. Then the cloud filled the place. Then and only then. They were. Their holiness, hear me, their holiness produced room for his holiness and his presence. Now, am I saying you have to be perfect? No, I already answered that. You've got to be honest. What I'm saying to you is that we are encouraging, we are challenging you to be genuinely on a, a pursuit and a hungry pursuit for holiness, that we try to live like He's called us to live, and we do what He's called us to do, and we, we live above reproach, and we flee evil. We don't try to see how close we can get to it and still call ourselves Christians. We flee the very appearance of evil, living a holy, pure life, so that we make room for Him, so that He can come and rest in this place. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, basically what they're saying is that every nursery worker was consecrated, every usher was consecrated, every victor, uh, greeter was consecrated, every worship singer was consecrated, every preacher was consecrated, every person that sat on the pew was consecrated. And when they were, the presence of God filled the place. And what I am saying to you is that we've got to have the same thing. Do I need to remind you what happens when one person's not holy? Ask Achan. Oh, I'm pulling Old Testament stuff out right and left. Some of you are looking like a deer caught in the head. Like, you got to read this Bible every once in a while. It's pretty cool. There's good stories in there, good principles. One man sinned. One man stepped out of line and it cost the whole camp. Brought defeat to the whole nation of Israel. I want to say, say something to you this morning. We need you to be holy. Well, I, I just can't live up to that. That's all right. At least be on, on trying. At least make an effort. God, meet me halfway. I, I'm going to do my best. I will try my best. you got to help me here, God. That's all right. He can help you. He can make it happen. We need you to live holy. We need you to live righteous. I, I also remember the Old Testament. The Bible says that when the priest would begin to impl- enter the holy place, they'd tie a scarlet cord around their ankle. Remember that? You know what that was trying to remind them of? That this stuff is serious. That God doesn't play games. If you, if you walk into that place and you're not holy, he's liable to kill you. So we put a cord on you so every once in a while we can jerk it and you can kick a little and let us know you're alive. Otherwise, we're going to drag you out. You know what I think we're going to start doing next Sunday? At the greeter's table, we're going to hand out rope. We're just going to tie you up, and I'm going to have my greeters pull on you every once in a while. Just make sure you're alive. Maybe that would remind us that God is just as serious now about holiness as he was way back then. Come on, ask your neighbor. You feel something around your ankle? I feel something pulling on me, right? There's a quote that says this. And I love this quote. It says, God never alters the robe of righteousness to fit man. He changes the man to fit the robe. That's real good. 
See, this is what we do. We come into encounter with God. He gets up on us. We come into church and we encounter him. We say, God, I want you. I want you. He says, all right, meet the terms. Be honest. Be, be hungry. Be whole. And he, he wraps, thank you, house, for the coat. He, uh, he wraps his jacket of righteousness around us. Let me tell you what we do. We go, God, I really want you, but you need to understand something, God. I have this vocabulary that I like to use. And it's kind of a habit, and I don't mean anything by it, but I use certain words, and I just can't kick it. It's just a habit. God, this is kind of tough, living up to this righteousness thing. Don't you think you can do something? He says, sure, man. This, I, I, was, I was mistaken. That coat's way too big for you anyway. Let me just pare this righteousness thing down to fit you just right. Let me tailor it just for you. Just, just you, nobody else. Nobody else can use those words, but just me and you. You've worked it out with me, so it's comfortable for you. God never does that. Do you understand that he will not fit this jacket of righteousness to you? He will demand you to wear the coat that he provides. So we go, God, uh, I want to be righteous. And he goes, okay, quit drinking. Well, you don't understand, God, I can handle my drink. Oh, I forgot that. You can handle your drink. I forgot that. that even though it's bothering all the people around you that since you've got a Passion Church sticker on your car and they think you're supposed to be a Christian, but now you've got a brewski sitting on your table, I forgot that you can handle your drink. You're right. I'm sorry. That coat was meant for somebody else. Let me put this one on. This one fits better. Yeah, let me trim this thing down for you. Make it really easy for you to live up to the righteousness that I've called. That fits you better. God won't do that. Listen, let me tell you what he wants to do. He wants to put this coat of righteousness on you. We want it to be easy. Let me tell you what God wants. Can I tell you what God wants? He wants you to grow up. Some of you have been anxious over the weight you're gaining. That's all right. Listen, God is wanting you to grow out. Listen, he will not alter this robe of righteousness to fit you. What he demands is that you get off the milk of God's word and get on the meat of God's word and expand into the righteousness that he's called you to and begin to live holy so that he can look at you and say, you know what, that is my child. They're trying their best, and I meet them, and I help them grow up into righteousness. I Listen, you, you grow into righteousness. He'll help you. Those are the terms. We've got to enter this place hungry, We've got to come in here honest, and we've got to come in here holy. There are going to be folks walking in off the street that don't know anything about God. They don't need to come in here and let us put a show on for them. They need to come into a house where people are hungry for God and won't let go until they get God. They need to walk into this place and find honest people that will look at them and say, You're dealing with that? I used to struggle with that, and I sometimes still do. Let me help you. And then they come into a place where you can go, you know what, there is hope because I met God and I said, God, I need your help. And he met me and he made me holy and now I'm holy and I'm living for him. And we have close encounters with him. Those are the terms. Hinge pin of this whole series right here. If you don't get the terms in place, you can kiss a close encounter goodbye. If you don't come into this house and live at home and go to work and ride in your car, and go to the movies, and go play a baseball game, whatever you do, hungry, honest, and holy. When we get in here on Sunday morning, it won't matter. We'll be back to Ezekiel chapter 44. I refuse that. I refuse that. I am pressing on and in to Second Chronicles chapter 5, where the glory of the Lord fills this house and fills my Why doesn't anybody out there want what we've got?
because we're not hungry, we're not honest, and we're not holy. Why should they want what we've got? I'm calling you this morning. I'm challenging you this morning to line up with the terms. Quit trying to negotiate God off of those three things because he will not, hear me, he will not budge. That's my challenge to you this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you long to be close to us. Even on the days we get up and we want nothing to have to do with you, you long for us. And so, God, I pray that you turn our hearts. One of the promises I'm holding on to this morning is this. If I'm hungry for you, you'll fill me. If I seek you, I will find you. God, I, one of the promises I'm holding on to this morning that you've given me is this. If I'll turn my heart towards you, you'll turn your face and your hands towards me. So I'm hungry this morning. I hold on. Change my appetites. Change the cravings of my life where I want you worse than I want anything else. God, make me honest. God, I pray that this morning every mask would fall off of every face. Every game of charades would come to a complete stop right now. We would begin to be honest with you and we would say, you know what? I'm not everything everybody thinks I am. I'm honest about who I am, who I'm not, what I have, what I don't have. God, I declare honestly before you this morning, need more of you I don't have enough of you I don't have enough of you to drive me to my knees like I should God I don't have enough of you in my life to cause me to to focus completely on you and not the cares of this, this world God I'm honest before you this morning step into my life and fill me with your power and your might give me grace in the weaknesses of my life wash away the issues of my life, I pray. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that this morning we would become holy. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean we're free to do it. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would call us to a holy lifestyle. Don't let us abuse our liberty and move over into license. God, we want to represent you correctly. We want to live up to your standards. God, there are standards that you've set. Let us live up to those standards. Jesus' name. Will you stand with me this morning? Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Proof of desire is pursuit. Are you hungry? When I look into your eyes right now, can you look back at me honestly and say, I'm hungry? Or can or are you looking back at me going, you know what? I can take it or leave it. I got as much of God as I want. How hungry are you? Are, are you so hungry that you'll push past anybody and anything to get to Him? Are you so hungry that you'll go to the wrong place according to everybody else? How hungry are you? Let me ask you this morning, how honest are you? Some of you look like you got it all together. You know, you clean up nice. But what's your home like? What's your car ride over here like? What's your job like? Where are you spending your weekend? How, how honest are you? Come on, tell me how honest. Come, you got to be honest. 
coming clean before God, coming clean before our friend, coming clean before our brothers and our sisters, understanding they won't accuse us, they'll relate to us and help us.